Long lay the world in sin and error pining. That's what we just sang a moment ago. And I think, for my money, there are very few song lyrics, let alone Christmas carols, but any songs that better sum up why Christmas is such good news. These few short words sum up everything that was and is wrong with our world. It's a story that takes us back to the very beginning of humanity. We started our night together by reading how God created the world and everything in it. And when God looked out on this world he had made, he saw that it was very good. The world was like a living room on Christmas morning, filled with delights and gifts from our good father. But like kids with new toys, it didn't take us long to break the world we'd been given. We disobeyed God and didn't enjoy the world the way he told us to. Instead, we thought we knew better. And we tried to enjoy the world on our own terms, while ignoring the God who made it. This disregard for God and desire to do things our own way is what the Bible calls sin. And as we read earlier, our sin and rebellion against God brought a curse upon us and all of creation. And ever since then, sin has ruined everything. From our relationship with God, to our relationships with one another, to sickness, to death, family problems, hard and frustrating jobs, wars, poverty, even the fact that things we own break down and stop working. Every single problem in the world can be traced back to sin and its curse. And it's been this way ever since the garden. That's why we sang, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. But from the beginning, God promised that it wouldn't always be that way. A day would come when God would send someone to undo the curse, to restore our relationship with him, and to renew the world we live in. We heard whispers of this day, when he promised an offspring of the woman who would come and crush the head of the serpent. We heard the promises to Abraham of an offspring in whom all the families of the earth would be blessed. We heard the prophets foretell of a coming king who would bring peace and rule and righteousness. And then in the small town of Nazareth, we heard an angel declare to Joseph that the child to be born to Mary would save his people from their sins. And then, after years and years of pining, of waiting, of longing, after the world long lay in sin and error, he appeared. He appeared. But why? What did the appearing of Jesus have to do with solving our deepest problem and fulfilling our deepest longings? To see that tonight, I want to look very briefly with you at just three verses from Hebrews chapter 9. Three short verses that explain the whole of human history. So you can look at these verses with me. It says, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So in our few minutes together tonight, I want to focus on just two things. Why Jesus appeared the first time, and why he'll appear a second time. So first, why did he appear the first time? Notice that the appearance of Jesus marks the beginning of a whole new era. Verse 26 says he appeared at the end of the ages. See, there was all the time before Jesus came, that time when long lay the world in sin and error pining, the time all the way from the garden to the manger that we've been reading about, and then there was the moment he appeared. This was the moment that literally everything had been pointing forward to. The hopes and fears of all the years were met in Bethlehem that night. See, the coming of Jesus wasn't simply one more important event to be remembered. This was the climax of human history. The time when everything changed forever. His coming signaled the arrival of the last days. Hebrews 1 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Peter tells us that he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he was made manifest in the last times. So after years centuries of pining, waiting, and longing. We read a minute ago, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. And why did he come? Our passage says it very simply. It says he appeared to put away sin. In other words, he didn't come simply to offer us some advice on how to deal with life's problems in this broken world. He came to deliver us from the greatest, deepest, and most fundamental problem that all of us face. He came to undo the curse, to fix what we broke, and to restore what we lost. He came to take away our shame, to remove our guilt, to deliver us from fear, to free us from slavery to wrong desires, to bring peace to our troubled souls, to calm our anxious hearts, to give us true and lasting joy. And how did he do all of that? By putting away sin. He came to deal with the source of all of our problems and the barriers to all of our joys and peace. He came to put sin away. And, and how did he do that? He put sin away by putting it on himself. He put it away by bearing the sins of many and by sacrificing himself. In other words, Jesus appeared to be the perfect sacrifice for sins. See, what's not on the screen, but is right before this passage, is in the book of Hebrews, it talks about how for centuries, priests made these same sacrifices over and over and over. Lamb after lamb after lamb, all trying to deal with this problem of sin. But those sacrifices were merely stopgaps. They could never deal fully or permanently with our sin and bring us back to God. 
we needed a better sacrifice. Which is why when Jesus appeared, what did John the Baptist say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, the whole Old Testament had been pointing to the appearing of this Lamb. And when he appeared, notice it says, it was once for all. It didn't need to be repeated because his sacrifice was decisive. 1 Peter 3 says, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, so that he might bring us to God. At Christmas, Jesus came near to us so that he might bring us near to God once and for all. So that now we can sing peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Verse 27 then gives us yet another reason why this is such good news. Don't miss this. It says, it is appointed for man to die once. We can read, that, read over that real quickly, but do you realize what it's saying and what it means? It says it is appointed, which means we have an appointment with death. There is a date on the calendar for all of us. Now, you and I didn't make this appointment. Who made the appointment? God did. He wrote all of our days in a book before one of them came to be. But don't forget why each of us has an appointment with death. We are appointed to die because of sin. God said in the garden, as we read earlier, that the penalty for sin would be death. And we read that death spread to all men because all sinned. So this verse wants us to remember that when we see death all around us, and we have seen more than our share this year in 2022, it's not just because that's just the way it is. The death we see is not just a natural process unfolding as though there were no other way. No, every death is the working out of sin's curse that has been plaguing our world ever since the fall. That's why Christmas is such good news that Jesus appeared to put away sin, the source of all the death. Because as we see, when we die, notice it says we all face the judgment of God. This life is not just meaningless, purposeless, that when it's over, it's over. It says there's something after death. And after death, we are all held accountable for our rebellion against God. All of our sins must be answered for and God will pour out his just, fair, righteous judgment against sin. Now that would be horrible news if it weren't for Christmas. Because the good news of Christmas is that Jesus appeared to suffer death and judgment for us in our place. So that now death has lost its sting because when we stand before God to face judgment... We will have no sin to be judged for because Jesus put it all away. That's why when Jesus appears the second time, it says, notice this, it will not be to deal with sin. He's not coming back to deal with sin. Why? Because he already did once for all. 
There's nothing more to deal with. Instead, when he comes back, what will he do the next time? He'll save us. That's why we don't need to fear the judgment. Because instead of living out our days in fear and dread of when will it be over and when will I face this judgment that I know I don't measure up to, oh, how can I escape it? How can I postpone it? Instead, he says, we can live out our days in hope, waiting for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Friends, he's already put our sin away by the sacrifice of himself. And when he appears again, he will save us fully and finally. And lastly, don't miss, who will he do this for? For those who are eagerly waiting for him. For those who live in the midst of a broken world that has slain so long in sin and error. Those who are pining and longing for their Savior to appear. Those who wait for him like kids wait for Christmas morning. The weary ones who feel a thrill of hope and rejoicing. Why? For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That morn when he appears a second time to save us. Friends, that is the good news of Christmas. That Jesus appeared to put away sin. And that he'll appear again to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Would you pray with me tonight? Father, tonight as we gather like this to hear the story of how Jesus was foretold, how he came, and now why it matters, God, I pray that for those of us who know him, our hearts would feel a thrill of hope and rejoicing. That it would remind us that whatever problems we may be facing, financial, job, marital, friendships, purpose, wondering what it is our life is about. Lord, all of those problems are secondary to our most fundamental problem of sin. And you sent your son to deal with our most fundamental problem. He came and he appeared to put away sin. And so now we can live lives of hope and joy and peace because we don't have to dread when he appears again. Instead, when he appears again, it will be the culmination of our deepest longings and the fulfillment of every desire we've ever had when we see him as he is. So Lord, would you renew our joy in him this Christmas? Renew our hope. And for those who don't yet know that hope, God, I pray tonight you would awaken it. I pray that they would stop trying to enjoy the world on their own terms and they would instead turn to the creator and embrace his gift of his only son. That they would turn from the empty promises of sin and instead embrace the son in whom all your promises are yes and amen. God, would you do that for us tonight? We ask this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.